in-person game it's a challenge it's fun it's social game it's almost like licensed fidgeting you, you don't get any questions about it people want what people find fun and then experimenting and tweaking the game until you've got something that's as good as it can possibly be. What can I say? I just enjoy it a lot. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is a conversation with Ben Don Flores, digital product designer and co-creator of the card game Don't Cross Agatha. Today, we talk about the importance of playing card games for mental health. Hello, Ben. Hello. To break the ice, as you know, I start by asking for you to describe a place where you like to visit, close to where you are. Yes, so one of the places that I love is in London, between Stratford and Shoreditch. There's the Regent's Canal that goes there, and there's all of the park space. And I feel like the East doesn't get half as much news coverage that it needs to. It's it's nicer than the Royal Parks even. And in the middle of London, in such sort of heat and bustle, the fact that there's places so serene by the canals in like Victoria Park and the Olympic Park and uh, all the way over to King's Cross and Little Venice. It's just absolutely fantastic. Oh, well, I'll have to go and visit. And I hear that you define yourself as a product designer by day, game inventor and player by night. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so at the moment, I'm working at a construction tech startup defining what it's going to be like for users to use the product and what problems we're solving, researching and then developing systems and then building digital touch points to deliver those. And then I think that's very similar to designing games. You're you're trying to figure out what people want, what people find fun, and then experimenting and tweaking the game until you've got something that's as good as it can possibly be. So talking about games then, what is it about playing games that is so exciting? Well, I like them almost as a prop conversation. It's something to just sort of do with your hands. I um, I fidget a lot. And when you've got game, it's almost like licensed fidgeting. You, you don't get any questions about it. And I, I find it fun. It's, um, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's social. And what, what can I say? I just enjoy it a lot. Does it apply to both the physical games as well as online games? I think they're different. I do enjoy playing online games, especially with other people. Um, so I, I meet up each week with a friend and we play usually something quite stupid and then just chat over the top of it. But I think in-person games, as in-person interactions, just have something slightly different. There was a, there's a board games, CAFs, which are great to go to if you ever get a chance because you just get to try out whole new things with, with people and just have a relaxed chat and just while away the day. It's great. But I can imagine that chatting with people and playing games and having something to talk about is actually very good for people's mental health. What do you think? 
I think especially in times of COVID where everyone's been shut inside for so long, having just an opportunity to go out and do something together, whatever it is, is fantastic. But I think board games and card games particularly, they just help break the ice, especially with new people. So I just went up to Loughborough this weekend where I went to university and I found it really fun to play this game that we made with people around us. I haven't seen them in a while. So that just sort of really broke the ice before we got chatting. And then like once we were chatting fully, we sort of left the game to the side almost and continued drinking, continued chatting and a great evening. So you co-created this game that you are talking about called Don't Cross Agatha. What is this about? We wanted to create something that was really freeform, really chaotic, that really brought people together. So one of the things that we started with was we wanted every card to be played against any player. You can create any situation with any card and play as many cards as you want, sort of as few rules as possible. And that iteration after iteration ended up with what we've got at the moment. The core idea started when I went to a village fete from the village I used to live in. Uh, and I found it completely surreal, a little bit absurd, that people were comparing the sizes of vegetables in front of the rest of the village and that this was bringing sort of status and, and like a, a real community vibe. It was bringing everyone together. And I thought, I've got to do something with this. I, I really loved the idea of it. So we abstracted it, turned it into a game where you've got a vegetable in front of you and you can play modifiers or action cards or traps or reactions against your own vegetables or other vegetables. And then other parts of the game are a bit of a love letter to the genre. I enjoy parts where you've got to do well, but not too well, things with a, a twist to them. So we introduced a village witch who will turn you into a toad if you get a higher score than her. So now you've got an incentive to get as high a score as possible, but no higher than Agatha. Otherwise, she will turn you into a toad. I have a pack here with me, and I can see that all of the images are absolutely gorgeous, including the witch. How did you get going with all this? So our co-creator, Eleanor, has played a lot of these card games and she really enjoys when the art is a feature, when she can just gaze at the cards without playing the game. It's something that we always wanted to create. And when we got the opportunity to, we did. Uh, we found an illustrator of Fiverr, uh, a Russian illustrator who's done a fantastic job with the characters and the vegetables. And she's got this great watercolor style. Um, that's slightly flat, that really lends itself to the, the quasi-medieval, slightly absurd English village type theme. That is really, really nice. Can you tell me about which is the image, the illustration that you most identify with, that you most like and why? Well, I'm not sure I'm going to say I most identify with it, but the one that I like the most is the army of gnomes, because you've got all of the little guys with their blue shirts and red hats pointing spears at the, at the front of the card, and it's just perfectly surreal and absurd and um, exactly what we want the game to be. Can you tell me a little bit about the process that you went through in order to develop the card game? So it started in maybe March of 2021. Uh, lockdown had just hit. We were, um, Eleanor and I, the co-creator and I, were um, living together at the time and then moved to our separate houses and just sort of finding things to do to fill the time after our degree had dramatically reduced in the workload and before we'd got any internships or anything like that sorted. 
So we were just chatting idly. I was bringing up this village fate that I'd been to that I found so completely sort of surreal and amazing. And it just developed from there. We initially started with sets of cards printed out as pieces of cut printer paper um, with numbers drawn on them and then playing them over uh, over the internet using a piece of software called Tabletop Simulator. Fantastic, by the way, for testing the games like this. But it wasn't until maybe nine months and a dozen versions later that we were able to meet up in person and play the game for real. And then I went to Brussels for an internship, had, a, had an amazing time, but meant that uh, we couldn't play that uh, while I was there. Uh, so we played it over the internet more and iterated more and play tested with different people to make sure that it was the best game that it could possibly be. And the result is what we've got now with the three numbers, the card categories that we decided on, which were the, the vegetables, the action cards, the reaction cards, uh, traps and modifiers. Um, but the core game play has stayed very similar all the way through. And I can imagine that there is a huge difference from the first sketch that you had in your mind or at the back of the envelope compared to the final version. How do you feel about that huge change? The cards have changed a lot in their appearance and the art and imagery and sort of style and typography that we've been using. But the core mechanics of you've got a vegetable in front of you, a village witch that you can't have a higher score than and you can check, you can place cards anywhere you want. Those have been things that we've been quite passionate about keeping all the way through. They were the reasons that we started and what we wanted to see through till the end. Tell me three things that you have learned about co-creating Don't Cross Agatha. Well, the first thing that I've learned is that creating the game was actually much easier than creating the Kickstarter to go with it. Part of it is because I'm a I'm a designer. My course was user-centered design. What I'm doing now is um, user experience. So that building, testing, building, testing phase was very familiar to me. But I've never done marketing. It was a completely set of new challenges to turn something that I, I loved and I knew people valued from the user testing sessions we did into a set of messages and communication that we could send to whole new people who had never been part of that process and get them to love it as much as we did. And throughout the last six months, I believe we've, we've done a, a decent job at that and have now launched a Kickstarter and it's going reasonably well. On the other side, it's been an interesting exploration of agile project management techniques. How do you account for time when you don't know how long a task will take? And one of the things that I learned the most was that don't promise something a, so as a result, if you don't know how long it's going to take, it sounds really simple, but I've always been doing stuff that I've at least known a little bit about how long it's going to take. But come uh, something that's a, a side project, something outside of our normal jobs, when like, a whole set of stressful things happened and doing tasks that were quite unfamiliar to us meant that some of the timelines slipped a little bit. You have all these in Kickstarter and Kickstarter, as I understand it, you actually set a target. And what happens if you don't hit the target? We don't get any of the money. It's a great way to validate a business idea or sell a game because if we don't sell that many units, we don't get the money to be able to develop it. 
which is it's a really good set of incentives and it means that the buyer gets quite a lot of of trust of knowing that if their money gets billed from their account they will receive a product afterwards so how do we get onto this kickstarter page yes you go to kickstarter.com and search don't cross agatha and it should be the first result there otherwise you can go to the link in the description below so the idea is that as a buyer as a purchaser i go there and i pledge i buy these products yes you can pledge for one product or a few speaking to any people who own game shops or other shops out there you might want to buy more than one it's uh, really easy to do really rewarding and it would help us out a lot so if you do thank you very much when can we expect don cross agatha to be out there it should be out there by christmas so let's let's go for it anything else that you would like to share well pledging would do us a world of good and let us build more games like this hopefully build more things that people love but for anyone out there who is looking to build a game for themselves send me a message uh, and we can chat i'll tell you in more detail about what we went through and uh, the steps that we took and i really look forward to seeing more games out there by independent creators and can you tell us what is next for ben don flores and don't cross agatha for me i will be continuing to work at the startup that i'm working at as um as a designer at some point in the future probably not for a few years yet i plan on founding my own startup and building something that users hopefully love for don't cross agatha we have already been working on an adaptation of the game called tequila in which we've got aztec gods and bottles of tequila which uh just the art is absolutely fantastic the the artist has really outdone herself this time i never thought that the aztec very flat brightly colored imagery would suit her watercolor style so well but it is something that i have never seen before and just very different this is urban jungle with your host magda flores thanks for joining and if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from all you have to do is drop me a line my email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com urban environments need your help be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being, developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management, at siwem.org.